Hoodoo Plant Mamas Get your soul fed and your spirit red This here ain't no trend I possess the power from way back when That quick book was stripped from all of their kin So they had to find the magic within Ancestors and gather my herbs I conjure at my altar Hoodoo Plant Mama I manifest growth and I release trauma. Child, we just out here trying to water our plants and mind our business, you know? Everybody here from the deep south, man. Everybody can have culture like us. Hey y'all, and welcome back to another episode of Hoodoo Plant Mamas. I'm your host, Leah Nicole. And I'm Danny B. And today we are talking about children, specifically black children so before we get started Danny B how are you doing child I'm doing terrible (laughs) (laughs) I'm tired okay I'm in the middle of finals week um but you know what I started my morning off nice my friend texted me at like seven seven this morning I just happened to be woke of course doom scrolling through Instagram and uh, we went and got breakfast, Ooh. so that was good. Um, I got I finished most of one of my finals. I just have to tweak some things and and um, edit. But then I have two more finals left, two more papers. Um, so yeah, I just got to get through that. That's how I'm doing. We got to be honest. Like, don't be talking about you doing all right when you doing terrible. Just say it. Let's normalize. Just tell them the truth about it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I wouldn't say I'm doing terrible, but I have been pretty exhausted this past week. And I think for me, I'm like, where is my time going and how can I get it back to myself? Cause I'm like, I'm unemployed. I should not be waking up working until I go to bed. I'm like, I should have free time, but yeah. So I'm trying to figure that out. But today has been a better day. Um, right before this, I had a writing accountability group where we check in with each other. And so, because none of us met our writing goals for the month, <laughs> we decided to um, start writing on some projects that we were working on. So I'm almost finished with the first revision of my book, what I had planned to finish back in January, but I have not done it. Um, but yeah, I'm very happy about that. So gratitude. What are you grateful for right now? I don't know if you know the singer Duran Bernard. Bernard, I'm adding an extra D. No. He has like one of the best falsettos in the world. One of the best voices in the world. So I'm thankful for his his just music. Anything that he's on is gold to me. And it just makes me feel at peace. And then... Man, I'm thankful for the light at the end of the tunnel. Like, I see it. So, um, I know that I can do it. I'm I'm keeping faith that everything's going to be okay. I'm sorry. I'm just coming in here all dark. I can't even be, like, good at the gratitude moment. I'm thankful to be here. I'm thankful for music. And I'm thankful for my friends. My friends have been keeping me. So, amen to that. Amen. Um, I am grateful for black hairstylist mm-hmm. ever since uh, I want to say it was Camille Janae who did that TikTok on Twitter that broke the internet it's just like because I remember um, at that time I was not washing my hair it was just another thing that I had to deal with and the fact that all of these hairstylists were like it does not have to be this hard you can have like good hair days and it'd be a lot easier and a lot cheaper and they were right. I'm like, thank God. <laughs> thank God. So I'm grateful that they are out here arguing with people on the internet about black hair care does not have to be hard. Hey, man, listen, not you reminding me I need to wash my hair. That I've been. <laughs> I think I need to wash it more often than I'd like. But we had this yeah. conversation. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to have to do it. Um, when I first started the <laughs> detox, I think I washed my hair three times in two weeks. I hate it. No. Yeah. Yeah. But my hair got a lot better. 
That's and it. I don't even really got nothing to complain about. I don't even got a lot of hair. This is just pure laziness. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Well, let's get started with the show. Um, the first thing um, we wanted to talk about, well, I wanted to talk about especially was um, childhood experiences with like spirits and death. Um, so like maybe a week or so ago on Twitter, I was about to start this rant. I think I deleted it, but I was talking about how I think most of us were our mediums, but it got suppressed in childhood. Um, and I was thinking about, um, these things that we talk about even now with kids having imaginary friends, or I don't know if y'all heard that saying that, um, they used to say that like babies can see ain't well some some old folks say oh babies be seeing angels mm-hmm. but I think they be seeing ghosts and if you've <laughs> ever been around a baby they are weird like they be pointing at stuff and you like what you pointing at smiling it's so I kind of want to talk about like um how how our most like spiritual and intuitive like aspects of ourselves kind of get suppressed in childhood. Cause even I also want to mention like, even in school, I don't know if you grew up, we talked a little bit about this on our conspiracy theory episode, but in school we used to be sitting around talking about ghosts or like things we seen or thought we seen something we heard in the night or what we heard, what, what our grandmama or mama told us about what they saw just kind of passing on these like um ghost stories just casually um so I just wanted to talk about like how parents guardians people who love us suppress this and also try to kind of uh pathologize it too like they'll try to make it like something was wrong with the kid if they keep saying they got imaginary friend for so long when it's mm-hmm. like nah you really the problem listen to the kid but <laughs> What do you think about that, Leah? Like, have you, do you have any memorable experiences seeing ghosts as a child or even feeling like something's there that you can't see as a kid? Um, I would say yes, but I wouldn't think it was like ghosts or spirits. I remember in our God in Nature episode, I talked about, you know, just being out in the woods talking and having answers come to me. So it felt very much like I was talking to something. Um, but I didn't know what it was, but I will say that my nephew, he's 10 right now. And ever since he was little, he's always been like very afraid of things. Cause he says he sees shadows and stuff. And even now he's still saying he sees shadows. So, so I like, we suspected that my nephew may be someone who can like see dead people, but I don't think he likes that he can do that. Um, But yeah, I think so far that may be the only experience that I've had. I know like my nieces, my niece and my nephews, when they were younger, they were the kinds to like look at things and smile or laugh. And me, I'm scared. I'm like, what you looking at back then? (laughs) I'm like, I'm glad I can't see it. And even, I know we're talking about kids, but even my cat will do that sometimes. She'll be like looking at stuff and mowing. And I'm like, no, what's up there? (laughs) animals too they do it too um your nephew if he doesn't like it and doesn't have I guess you could try to guide him but some people just don't want to do that and that's okay then he'll probably he'll probably it'll probably become distant like a distant gift or something as he Mm -hmm. gets older if he completely rejects it but um one of my earliest memories I will never forget this I was standing in the kitchen with my mama and I don't even remember what she was doing. A part of me was like, was she hot combing my hair? Was she fixing my... She was doing something where I had to be still and wait a minute until she finished what she was doing with me. And I was looking toward her back bedroom. And for a second, there was a man in like a full suit and a hat, like a top hat. A black man, older black man. He was there for a minute. And I jumped and my mama said, what's wrong with you? And I was too scared to tell her. I just said, nothing, nothing. Now, context for this is that this is context after the fact. Because I've thought for years and years and years and years. Mind you, this is about 20 years ago. I was like 
what, eight or nine. And at first I thought it was my uncle, my uncle that I knew very well as a kid. Then I realized that the house that we were living in, my stepdad at the time, he grew up in that house. If I'm not mistaken, his granddaddy lived in that house. Like his parents lived in that house. And so after a while I was like, nah, I actually think that that was my stepdaddy's granddaddy. And now I got a whole theory about that that I'm probably going to write some kind of creepy story about. Because I'm like, nah, this man been up in that house the whole time. And this explains a lot. Um, But there was also another incident while I was still in Chicago. And I had a cousin that died very tragically in a motorcycle accident. And um, he was grown. And I was walking... From the store, I don't know if I was with my, I was probably with my daddy. I feel like I was, that don't matter. Whoever I was with was grown. And this guy rode back on a bike and I was staring at him because I felt like he had my cousin's face. And then he winked at me. And then the whole time, you know, you a little kid, I kept thinking, oh my gosh, was that Junior? I never would tell people this. Like, I never told them when those kind of things happened. I just stared at him because I was like, nah, he had my cousin face. Like, was that him? Was that him? Um, And then there's been, like, other things with, like, feelings, just having a feeling. But I'm scary. So I'm <laughs> sure whatever that was... <laughs> I feel like now I'm becoming more open and I can feel it. Like I I can feel like girl, it's just a matter of time. Them spirits feel it. They like she coming back. It's just a matter of time for you see something and you're going to fall out because right now I'm, I'm more, I think it's because I'm much more spiritually aware now that like now, even if I'm trying to suppress it, I can't. Um, So yeah, not to get on a rant, but yeah, those are some of my, um memorable experiences no I was like I'll probably fall out if I saw something (laughs) I was so young though that's the thing I don't know do you remember just being less I don't know how to describe it but as a kid you're so full of wonder and Mm -hmm. I I started thinking about that a lot more um a, a nature poet I really like talks about this in a collection of essays she wrote but like as a kid, you are like so curious. So it's less fear and more curiousness until people socialize you into being like, you're not allowed to ask questions. You could get in trouble if you ask this question. Like we mm-hmm. put the fear of, you know how they always say curiosity killed the cat. Mm-hmm. Like why I got, why I had to kill the cat? Like Maybe maybe whatever killed the cat is the problem and not the curiosity, but you tell kids that and then they think it's wrong to be curious about things and to wonder like, oh, what does that do? Hmm, I wonder if this exists, that kind of thing. And I want to get back to that. I admire that in children, like just being so um, amazed about everything and having so many questions about stuff, so... Yeah, I um, volunteer in my community. So I mentor a couple of Black girls. And something that they're teaching me a lot of is playing. Like that's something we don't do a lot as adults, just playing and having fun and not worrying. I'm like, wow, amazing. Yes, they do. They teach you the art of just like being in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, But so... Yeah, so I also want to like mention like some people grow up and they're able to keep their mediumship abilities. I remember when I first started learning about particularly African spiritual practices and meeting people who had those gifts or people telling their story. And I used to be like thinking, oh, something wrong with me because I'm not like them and da, 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 da. But then also some of these people just had like either people in their life that nurtured their gifts or that was just a part of their destiny because some people just weren't able to get away from it. Like, um, so while some of us suppressed it, some people just couldn't and that's just a part of their experience. And some of those people are actually um, doing spiritual work with those gifts. But I want to talk about like 
What do you think really impacts our disconnect from the spiritual realm, like in childhood and as we grow up? Because I was thinking about the media, medium depictions of ghosts and spirits, especially of anything that got to do with African spirituality, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, Church. So I remember I got into an argument I was a teenager. Yes, I did used to argue with my grandma because my grandma was like my mama. And y'all used to argue with y'all mamas too, so hush. Um, And we were talking about ghosts. And I think she got mad because I was like, well, how does it make sense to believe in God and not spirits? Because I think she was trying to insinuate that ghosts weren't real or something. And she got so mad, like, because I guess it was me challenging her authority, but also maybe I was challenging God and I wasn't to me. It's like, how are you talking about the Holy spirit and Jesus rise from the dead? But the idea of ghosts is like where you draw the line. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying like, you got to make it make sense for me, granny. Okay. And some people call it the Holy ghost. You know, when we was in church learning about that, I was like, oh, so there's a spirit and then there's a person. So me as a kid, I was trying to put two and three together and it wasn't coming out to be five. It was coming out to be something else. So yeah, I remember when I started asking those questions and it was not met well. I was a teenager by then um, and I was bold enough to say it, but even then it wasn't met well. So you know, what did, what did it for you if you feel like, or do you feel like you never really stopped believing or whatever? Um, I would say I never really stopped believing because I think even for me, spirituality was a bit of escapism. So, you know, I could always go outside and sit down in the forest <laughs> and just talk or whatever. But, um, Something else I think that causes a disconnect is kind of the way we treat children and the way we don't believe them. Like you said earlier about having uh, imaginary friends, like after a while, people are like, okay, you're too old to deal with that because we don't believe that, you know, anything, the fact that we even call them imaginary like we believe that they that it doesn't exist or it's not real because a child came up with it. Um, part of that disconnect comes from the way we don't value what children have to say or believe. And then it's also is TV um, because I remember, well, I grew up with a mama who's like really into sci-fi and fantasy. So we watched a lot of supernatural type stuff. And she believes in ghosts. (laughs) Pretty much my whole family believes in like ghosts and spirits. They also believe that the dead can come back and, you know, give you messages or see you or something like that. So it's very hoodoo, even though if you ask them, they would say it wasn't. Um, So I think I think TV. But then I also did have a family that believed in these things. So. I had people in my family that did. My grandma is. I think it's because she moved away. She went to college. She moved away and like was very dis. I don't know. That's a whole nother thing. But my aunts and stuff, that's really who I learned a lot from. They were like being around my, especially my aunts that never left the South. The stories that they told, the things that I remember overhearing and then talking to my friends that I grew up with. Um, That's really what kept me like I I never I never stopped believing either but I knew that like I couldn't tell nobody if I saw someone or if I felt this way because they wasn't gonna believe me I could only Mm -hmm. tell my friends and so my friends had some very strange stories that still hunt me and I believed them we was kids we have no reason to uh, make it up (laughs) I mean (laughs) just make up shit but nah we I believe most of it actually happened um Well, one of the things, because I think it's all connected, too, was, like, how did you view death as a kid? Like, because I don't know. I just think that I was bound to get into some weird shit as I got older because (laughs) I was. So I still remember the first dead person I touched in a casket. 
it was my great great grandmother. I was very young, um, maybe like five or six, and I was with my great. It was my great grandfather's mother, and obviously she had him super young because, you know, the fact that she was still alive and he was alive. Um, but we walked up to the casket, and I was so curious because I always wondered if they was gonna get up. That was my thing. I always was looking for the breathing. Like I was like, and I always wanted to touch them. And I was like, and he touched her hand. I was like, how does it feel? He was like, she's just cold. She's just cold. You want to touch it? And he told me to touch her. And it was so weird. And I remember I kept walking up to it and I was poking it because I was so curious. And then I thought I seen her blink and I was like, I ain't going back up. She didn't. I think it was just my imagination, but I was like, oh, hell no. Um, (laughs) But I've never touched another dead person again, but that was my first time. And then I always felt weird at cemeteries. I always felt weird. I always felt like it's a lot of niggas out here. I don't see y'all. (laughs) <laughs> but I just felt like it's crowded out here. I can't even describe the feeling, but I know the feeling was like, it's a lot. It's a lot out here. I just feel like it's a lot of people out here, even though ain't nobody out here. But something still drew me to it. I won't get on a rant, okay. but I've been weird for a long time. What about you? <laughs> I like that description, crowded for a cemetery. That makes sense. I also had like, weird feelings around a cemetery but I think a lot of it was propaganda and then also we told each other ghost stories in school so it was like the cemetery where the ghosts were and if you go at a certain time they were gonna get you so I was like I'm not gonna (laughs) Mm -hmm. not gonna be there um but as a kid I'm not sure how I viewed death I know that we had I think the first time something died was my dog had puppies and she sat on one and suffocated it. And so I was like trying to bring it. Yeah, I know. I was like seven. (laughs) I was trying to bring it back to life. And someone, one of my siblings, or maybe it was my mama was like, the dog's gone. I'm like, (gasps) I was so upset. I couldn't save it because like, as she was laying down on it, the other puppies were feeding from her. So I was trying to pick her up and she was too heavy. Um, so yeah, it was it was sad that I couldn't save it. And I remember it wasn't that dog, but there was another puppy that was run over. And so I tried to bury it in our front yard right by the door. And my parents yelled at me. It was like, it's going to smell. And I was like, what are you talking about? Because I knew that you put dead things in the ground. That's all I knew about um, death. I I don't think then I had a concept of an afterlife. Maybe I did of heaven and hell because we were in the Bible Belt. So maybe I had that in my head. But um at funerals I think the first funeral I went to I don't know whose funeral it was I saw my daddy getting dressed to go to church and he like never went to church so I was like where's he going and my mom was like you want to go with him I was like yes I had to get dressed up and go and he said it was my cousin but I had no idea who that person was I think it was a closed casket Mm -hmm. um And I was older when my grandma died and that was an open casket. And I remember my mama was like, oh, she just looks like she's sleeping. And I was like, she doesn't look like she's sleeping. Why do every, why does every black person say that? My grandma tells me that every time she goes to a funeral, "Mm -hmm, she just looks like she was asleep. Girl, (laughs) she does not look like she's sleeping. Or maybe it was the makeup or something. It just looked weird. I'm like, I don't like this. Listen, some funeral homes be doing that makeup. Damn, okay. But no, nah, they do not look like they sleep. Um, So, yeah, I didn't have any... Death was something I was very curious about. I didn't have any concept of, a, of the, emotion, the emotions of a funeral. So every time I went to a funeral and people was hollering and I come from that family during a funeral... Somebody gonna get dragged like down the middle of the aisle. It's gonna be a performance, and apparently this has been happening for years because we talked about it at Easter, and my grandma was talking. Her aunties used to do that, like at a funeral on the front pew, and in the middle of them preaching, all of a sudden we'll start 
pollen. Like, <laughs> oh, I love my sister. Oh, my sister. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's, it's, but I never understood, even for people that I knew, like I was super close to my great grandfather. And I remember the last time I seen him, he was actually on, I think when he passed away, that was around the time you could bring the person back home. If even if they was dying and they let them die in their home, I don't know if they mm. still do that because he was hooked up to all kind of stuff. And I remember this was my first time seeing him where he couldn't talk to me. And I remember walking in there. This going to sound like I'm lying, but I swear I'm not lying. Like I knew that he was gone already. And then the next day, you know, they said that he had died and I didn't feel anything because I, when I walked in the room, I did not feel that my granddaddy was there. This wasn't him. Like, it was just like, he was just there. And I remember touching his hand and my, my grandma, his wife, my great grandma said, you can talk to him. He can hear you. But I didn't want to talk to him because he just wasn't, you know, that was my granddaddy and he wasn't saying anything. So I just touched his hand, but it just didn't feel the same. So I remember that I didn't and I walked out and we was driving. I think we got the call when we were on our way back to Mississippi or something. Yeah. So I just remember being intuitive about it, but it was also something I just didn't understand. Like, why, why mm-hmm. is everybody screaming? <laughs> like I guess I didn't realize the forever aspect of it or maybe I was too disconnected or so maybe I was too young but yeah I agree I didn't I didn't I don't want to say I didn't understand grief but I don't know I just it didn't feel like death was final in that way that everyone else made it out to be I, I like that because I think that's the same way. It didn't feel final. And I have no idea why. I don't have no context to why it should feel final. Because I love my granny. I still think about him. But I also feel like at this point, I think he'd been with me for a minute. Like, I just think he'd been with me even when I didn't <laughs> recognize it. Um, and maybe that's why I never felt traumatized by his death. That was literally a prominent man figure in my life, like one of the few. And I just didn't feel like, but yeah. So I I definitely think that's probably what it was for Mm -hmm. sure. Well, should we take a break? Yes, we could take a break. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Today's episode is sponsored by Sun and Twelfth. Sun and Twelfth is a Black woman, LGBT-owned business that hosts courses curated exclusively for Black people by hoodoo and astrologer Mariah Williams. Through a hoodoo dip style of chart reading, Black people learn the foundation of hoodoo concepts and principles, how to develop our ancestral practices, as well as how to read and better understand ourselves through our natal chart. So Mariah shared a bit of her class with us, and from what I can see, we share a lot of the same ideas concerning hoodoo. She does go a bit more in depth through this class, and there are weekly Q&A sessions where you can ask your most pressing questions. We know people have asked us uh, questions about what are good offerings or how to set up their altar. This is a good course to sign up for if you want those questions answered. If you want to learn more about your chart, I highly recommend this course. Astrology is neither of our strong suits, but through this class, you'll have a good grasp about how to use your natal chart for your own personal development. Registration for astrology through a hoodoo lens will be open until May 28th. Sign up by May 7th to receive $50 off. The course runs from May 30th to July 11th. For more information, check out sunin12th.com. That's S-U-N-I-N-T-W-E-L-F-T-H dot com. So thank you to today's sponsor. If you would like to sponsor an episode, you can email us at hoodooplantmamas at gmail.com. We especially want to work with Black, Indigenous, POC-owned, and LGBTQ-owned businesses. Also, we have a new patron. Thank you, Rich, for joining our Patreon. We share exclusive spiritual content every month for only $5 a month if you'd like to join. 
And thank you to Sean Treese of Black Market Kentucky for hitting us up on Cash App. If you like to donate to our Cash App, it's hashtag HoodooPlantMamas, or you can donate on our PayPal, which is HoodooPlantMamas at gmail.com. Let's get back to the show. So we're back and we wanted to talk about making space for Black children. So for those of you tapped into Hoodoo Twitter, around mid-April, the People's Oracle tweeted about not being able to hold space for her child and the internet went off. So I read the thread and it seemed to me like she was saying that she was human and she can't always hold space for a child. Not that she doesn't try, but she can't do it 24-7, which makes sense to me. It was something that I understood. And I think a lot of the internet kind of went into the the two polar opposites of that's abuse if you can't always hold space for your child. Or there were people being like, my parents emotionally and physically neglected me and I turned out fine. <laughs> so I wanted to talk about this idea of making space for Black children. Do you have any thoughts, Danny? Yeah, um, I don't follow this person, but the tweet came on my timeline. People were upset. And for me, because I know how the internet works, people will make a thread, but a person will quote tweet the part of the thread that's going to be caused the most outrage so they can look like they're like going off on the person. So I went and read the thread and I agree um, that it was a lot more nuanced, but I also see how the initial tweet was jarring um, because the initial tweet was kind of like, well, we don't have to go into it, but I know why some people immediately got triggered by that. Um, but as someone who has a comp- complicated relationship with my own mother, like growing up, it doesn't change anything, but I had to recognize that my mom is a human outside of me. And it at least explains some of our, what has happened over the course of my life and her life. So for me, I'm never going to like diss a black parent or mother for saying that like fam sometimes I can't do it you know and and it's it sounds bad but it's like you know it's already hard out here for black parents um that doesn't mean I'm not that mean that doesn't mean that I'm not gonna hold parents accountable to what they do but I also was like y'all kind of doing a lot right now Mm -hmm. because she made a thread to clarify and y'all still was like using that one tweet to just find an excuse to let off your feelings that you have about (laughs) this, which is fine. Like do your thing. But it was a lot of, it was a lot happening. Yeah, I agree. Like something that I saw um, and didn't like was kind of this idea that people had when they were talking about how Black parents have experienced racism, classism, and or sexism. But something that wasn't acknowledged is that kids have to face that too. Like we are, we are Black kids who are girls who grew up in the South. Like we had to experience racism, classism, and sexism too. But so often we're asked to understand what our parents go through, but that isn't reciprocated towards us. Um we had to experience a lot of the same things our parents did too. But as kids, we didn't have the fully developed brain. We didn't have, you know, emotional uh, development and stuff. So it was like, there needs to be an understanding of that too. Like I understand how hard it was for my parents. Like I'm the age my mother was when she had me and I'm her third child. I cannot imagine having three kids right now. (laughs) I can't imagine having one. Um, So I understand that must be hard to be that in the South, but it's like, I also want there to be an understanding of what it was like for me to grow up and deal with racism, with sexism, with classism, as someone who did not have a fully developed brain. And I think that there's way to make space for both the harm that was done by our parents, but also make space for our parents who were harmed by society. Yeah. And I also want to say, because I have friends that are parents that 
even despite the things, a lot of things that they are experiencing as um, predominantly black women, my, most of my friends that are parents are black women. Um, they are, I even see the way they are like trying to reshape how we view black parenting. That doesn't mean they're perfect. Some of them still spank their kids, not all of them, mm-hmm. but they also talk about like, I want my kid to be able to talk to me and communicate with me. I, you know, the fact that I feel like all of my friends that have kids, their kids, their younger kids have, particularly little black girls have such big personalities. Mm-hmm. And I remember my light got dimmed at a very young age. Um, and nobody really held emotional space for me. Like I could not communicate if something was wrong. Um, I remember um, overhearing my grandma on the phone one time. Um, I ended up getting put in like counseling when I was a young kid. But I overheard her telling my aunt, like, oh, her teachers are concerned. They said, like, they've never seen a kid that young look so sad all the time. <laughs> wow. And, yeah, because I was, when I lived in Chicago, I was like, I lived in Chicago and went to school from um, up until second grade. Um, so there was more resources there as far as, like, counseling and all that kind of stuff. Not saying ain't no resources here, but. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know. And uh, <laughs> so, but then to think that counseling was just going to fix me when it's like, if nobody else in my life is trying to do their part, of mm-hmm. course it didn't fix anything. Um, So there are consequences to that. And I do think that parents are human beings, but you also have way more power in the situ- in the scenario and someone had mentioned how children are oppressed are an oppressed group and people were like huh what what are you talking about they da 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 have do you know that children literally have no power even over their bodies mm-hmm. y'all think y'all own y'all's children you know if they don't want to hug somebody you think it's cool to force a child to hug someone if they're saying i don't want this person to touch me i don't want to sit on this person's lap you literally have no power to advocate for yourself as a child mm-hmm. even down to force you to, to eat something you know like i've seen people talking about that too making kids eat something that and they have sensory issues and you think they're being dramatic and it's really like, no, it is painful for them to eat that thing because of the texture or whatever. So it's hard. I know a mother, she's around my age. She's a couple years older than me. And something she always says is she does not have bad kids, which is just, it's such a simple statement. But it's just like, it blew my mind. Like every time her kids does something, she's like, I don't have bad kids. I don't have bad kids. Because growing up, I think pretty much all of us, unless we learn how to like shut up, be quiet and do what we were told, we were told we were bad. And it just, I don't know. It was something about that that was just like, wow. And that's what I'm finding too. Like a lot of us, are learning the language of kind of what our parents put us through. And so we're trying to not do the same thing because we're learning the consequences of that. And I think a lot of parents take offense when you say um, you failed me because they think that we are saying that they are bad parents and we're not. And then a lot of them will get defensive and be like, you know, when I was a child, I didn't have X, Y, and Z, and you have all of these things and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, you were failed too. And so of course you're going to fail me because you can only give me what you were given. And if you were given failure, I'm going to get that failure too. Um, Now in my life, I'm trying to balance Uh, The idea that, you know, my parents tried the best that they could in an oppressive system and they failed and their failures harmed me. So I'm trying to like hold space for the fact that they tried their best and I was still harmed. But that doesn't mean either of us are bad people. Um, So, yeah, I was listening to therapy for black girls a while back and they were talking about 
complex PTSD and societal neglect and kind of how many black people have complex PTSD. Um, And I don't even know if it's PTSD because we're constantly dealing with trauma, the trauma of anti-blackness, the trauma of patriarchy, the trauma of heteronormativity, the trauma of capitalism. We're constantly dealing with these traumas. Um, But yeah, so something that the therapist said that was the way through all of this was love. Cause I know a lot of parents are like, the world's going to be hard on you. So I need to be harder. And it's like, when you do that, where does your child get softness from? And then how can you expect your child to want to be a part of this world if there's no softness in it? Yeah. Um, I like what you said about the person who doesn't call their kids bad because kids internalize literally everything you say to them. I'm, you know, in therapy, I'm still processing through. You'd be amazed at what, when you grow up hating yourself or hating your body, Mm -hmm. what you remember. You remember that first time someone called you fat or you remember that family member that said this, that, and the other to you. I remember so much of it because all of that shaped me. And now I'm in adulthood because I was a kid. Because I talk to my grandma about that now, about how my relationship to a lot of my family is complicated because I remember the shit that they would say to me. My brother remembers. We've had a conversation. They would say whatever they wanted to us as if we didn't hurt, like as if we didn't feel it, as if we were nothing. Um. So, yeah, people have a real hard time believing that children are oppressed because people don't see children as fully like full humans, full people who should have autonomy. Like that doesn't mean you don't guide them. That doesn't mean like, of course, you need to guide them. I have been a teenager. Ooh, imagine me not having no guidance even now, you know, but I'm saying you should not be like crushing mm-hmm. their imagination, um, dimming their light, telling them they're fat or there it is, or um, telling them to shut yes. up when they <laughs> ask questions. You know what I mean? And listening to them. I mean, I remember that when I was being harmed by someone and I tried to tell people, they would not believe me. They told me that I was lying. And I know so many people mm-hmm. that experienced that as a kid where you tried to say, this person is hurting me. I don't think this person was hurting me on purpose, but this person has something going on and I was being abused in the process and nobody would listen to me. They did not start to believe it until they started reaping the the, the consequences of whatever that person was going through. But when it's a kid, shut up. You're lying. Da, 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 da. I'm still very resentful to that to this day. And this is why I say, believe children when they say something, even if it sounds crazy. Okay, talk them through it. What do you mean by this? Sometimes children, and I know this for myself, sometimes from when I was a kid, sometimes children create stories like when you're super traumatized and you don't know how to put it into words, then you create something else that means it's basically like, I don't want to say a riddle or something, but it's you trying to articulate your pain in a particular way. Um, And so it sounds like it doesn't make sense. But if you would just listen and talk them through it, then you'll get to what that child is experiencing. You know what I mean? But nobody wants to do that. They just want you to be what they say, um, children are to be seen and not heard. That is actually a wretched, like, yeah, that's horrible. But children aren't oppressed. Black children aren't oppressed, but y'all on the internet defending the police against a black girl who was a child. And y'all not recognizing that black teenagers are children is a whole nother thing because that's all connected. There's they're babies. They are like, I don't like, so we don't even got to get that dark because I don't really want to talk about that. But I, I'm just saying like, 
it it reflects how people view children that you can't even view them even as teenagers you can't even have an ounce of empathy for black children and i even think for black girls i remember being in high school and there were like grown men going after black girls and everyone was like oh it's the girl who's doing this and i'm like she's 15 how is she over here making a 40 year old man want her i'm like she's 15 and also i want to say too even if she is dealing with this 40 year old 30 year old man because i was a teenager i had friends you you gonna put the mind of a 14 15 year old that literally Mm -hmm. just wants to feel loved above a grown-ass man who was exploiting the fact that this person is this child is looking for something and they think that this is the way you get it they think that this relationship or this person that they're gravitating to is equal they're on equal standing and they're not this is why i don't like people calling teenage girls fast i don't care if she is having sex and i don't care if she's having sex with grown-ass men there is something totally different going on with this child than it is with a 40 year old man that's going after a 14 that's that's willingly dealing with a 14 or 15 year old it's not the same. And you shouldn't call that child fast. You should ask, what's going on with them? How can I support them? You know? And that's something else I notice is that people are so willing to cast off, again, people they or children they view as bad instead of being like, maybe something's wrong here. They're like, no, this child is a bad child. It's not, this child is not worth redemption this child is not worth care or anything because they are bad because they're doing something that I don't agree with. And instead of being like, well, why are they doing that thing? It's just like, no, they're bad. This is what I'd be talking about. Like with people expecting children to have the emotional maturity when y'all be like 32 and you don't even know how to manage your emotions correctly. But you think that a 13, 14 year old, should know how to it's just so much but yeah I think that we need to pay attention to children more they're super intuitive um they be seeing spirits and so y'all tell them that they shouldn't be um and they deserve autonomy that doesn't like that's not knocking your authority as a parent I also want to mention this briefly I didn't really dig into the Kurt Franklin thing. Did we talk about that ever on the show or we didn't really talk about it? I don't think we did. But I remember maybe on um on the read, um, I begin some of my news from them. I don't even want I don't even want to look it up. Thank y'all for recounting this. Um, but she had mentioned, uh Crystal had mentioned that Kurt Franklin said something along the lines of like, I love my son, but he's not my equal. And you know, a lot of parents have that mentality. And I want to say to the parents that have that, who the hell do you think you are? (laughs) When your child, your child is always your equal from birth. Your child is a human being. They came into this earth in the same through a similar process as you. And it doesn't matter that they're a child. To say essentially that your child is beneath you that's outrageous. It's heinous. And so I don't trust nothing you got to say about this, this man. Is he disrespectful? Maybe he is, but I'm, I'm just seeing it as a reflection of however y'all have treated him, treated a child to say they're not your equal. Having authority over someone or being a caregiver until someone does not mean that they are beneath you, whether it's a child or somebody else. Mm-hmm. And that's really my main, that's really like the main issue. And I think it's very, um, I don't know, I don't really, white people do whatever they're doing. We talking about black people right now. Black people have a real problem with that, with thinking that their children are beneath them. And I just think that's wild. That's wild. That's a wild thing to say or feel. 
Especially when a lot of the children are your ancestors coming listen, back girl, to you. You know they don't believe that, but I'm just like, listen, some of these kids have been here before because the way they be looking, my nephew, oh my gosh, I can't wait to meet him. I only see pictures, but honestly, my nephew looked like, here we go again. Some of his pictures just look like, well, here I go again, back, back to the bullshit. <laughs> Also, it's like people admit that when they say that about kids, like, oh, this kid's been here before. And I'm like, so you were admitting. They don't even know. <laughs> they don't even know where the sayings come from. They just say it. See? Well, did you have any final thoughts? Yeah, I just, I don't want to get too too dark. But I just do want to say, listen, listen to kids. Because nine times out of 10, they're not lying to you and they just want to be heard. They want to be validated, supported. I am very happy to see at least my peers who are having kids to see the different way that they're being raised. Because I think a lot of us are acknowledging the harm in the way that we have been raised. Um, But my hope is that for the people who raised us, like the Black Gen X, and that they get some support, some therapy, some guidance, because a lot of them think that they raised us fine. And I'm like, six therapy sessions a month is not fine. <laughs> I am not fine. So, so yeah, I just, I, I want us to get better at parenting. And I know we're not going to be perfect. Like, I talk about this with my therapist that's one reason why I'm still not a parent because I understand how hard it is, especially now in the society that we have. We don't have this, you know, huge family under one roof where everyone's taking care of a child. We have like maybe a mother, <laughs> maybe a mother and a father. Who knows what kind of family it is? But yeah, so there's not a lot of support. And that's a bigger conversation. There's not a lot of support for when you have children. And so the options that parents can give their child decrease significantly because of that. So, yeah, it's hard. Being a parent is hard, but I hope that y'all are nicer to your children. Yeah, I think I think we can hold space for the humanity of parents and the humanity of children. Um, yes. Parents are not, do not have dominion over their children nor are they superior to them you are emotionally physically in some cases psychologically more developed than that child but you should you shouldn't view you shouldn't see a child as beneath you um and I don't think and I don't think that's everybody but I think there's a certain genre of people we know who they mostly are. We ain't even got to say it that feel that way about their children and they use and they try to um and they and they try to like use like spiritual biblical stuff to justify it. Then that's your business, but you're wrong. So <laughs> that's all I got. Yeah. Amen. The children are the future. Amen. All right. Well, if you like this episode, you can like, rate, and review Voodoo Plant Mamas um, on Apple Podcasts. Go ahead and give us those five stars. If you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, we'll make sure to share it on the show. If anything from the show resonated with you, make sure to share it with us on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Hoodoo Plants and Instagram at Hoodoo Plant Mamas. Stay tuned for our next episode, which is our season finale. It's going to be fun. All right. Bye, yes. y'all. <laughs> Bye.